Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. Hey, beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you all. If you were waking up 112 years ago, we're looking for something to do. You could head on over to the Prescott Courthouse to see the unveiling of the Rough Rider Monument. The rider is Captain Bucky O'Neill and the gentleman responsible for recruiting over half of Arizona's Rough Riders. The monument's been at Courthouse Square now still to this day, 112 years later. Prescott's our featured staycation, staycation destination this month. And we'll be all month long, and we'll bring you bits and pieces in history and trivia. There's uh, other things going on in the Valley today. You have the World of Illumination. I hear that's a wonderful event if you have kids. They've got one in Tempe and one in Glendale. Our Janice from the office has taken her grandkids every year and say it's now a, a must-go regular tradition. You also have the 11th Annual Grand Canyon Celebration of Art. You can encourage artists to come up and do color paintings of the Grand Canyon. I will say after these storms, I bet you get some oh, good colors and man. the sunset. And just uh, just a little bit over the Grand Canyon, out of the state of Arizona into Nevada, we've got championship round going on today, round number 10 of the National Finals Rodeo. And we thought it'd be a fun topic to cover. Uh, and how do you tie a National Finals Rodeo to Arizona? Well, let's cover the history of Arizona contestants that have been at the National Finals Rodeo. And we've brought in two-time NFR qualifier Nick Sarche to talk to us about championship round today. Doesn't get any better than this. Saturday night at NFR, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a pretty special event. I know uh, all 118 contestants are probably didn't get much sleep last night thinking about it. So it's been a great day. And you say 118. We've got two that are knocked out. Uh, we had, a, well, I guess, they had a couple in, uh, injuries. Bull rider with a major concussion, and then a uh, bareback rider with a torn hamstring. Uh, Ten days of. In a row, that's a lot to. That's a it's lot. hard to on the body, especially if you're riding rough stock, for sure. The physical is a lot to it, but the mental aspect. You were talking last night how Joe Beaver, one of the announcers, was saying, you know, you just got to make it past this ninth round. There's something about the ninth round. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of pressure leading up at the very beginning of the week. You know, everybody's going in there with the same attitude. They want to win a world championship, and they want to do good. And as the week progresses and the consistency, or if you're having a good week, it's it's going great. If a bad week, you're fighting your head, and you're trying to come out of your little slump and, and progress. And then when you get to the ninth round, if you're in the top two or three or four and have a chance of winning the average or a chance of winning the world, there's a lot of pressure added up, and you see who rises. The cream always rises to the crop, so or top. So what these rodeo events, and we'll go through what each of them are in a moment. But the longest run, hopefully, you know, you're you're looking for runs eight seconds in the bull riding, or saddle bronc riding, or bareback riding. For the Cowboys, that's as long as you want to be. When you're looking at the steer wrestling and you know, the the tie down roping and the uh, team roping. You want to be under eight seconds to be competitive in the barrel racing. You want to be under 14 or 13, five, maybe. I mean, 
what do you do with the other 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 45 seconds of the day? Well, you're either celebrating or beating your head against the wall, I think. I don't know. That's so much time to psych yourself out. There's a lot of downtime, but uh, the key is is, um, is to not get too high and not get too low. Uh, you're always going to have ups and downs in rodeo. There's so many variables in every single sport, uh, and there's so many variables in every single event in rodeo. So you take care of your horse, you take care of you, you take care of your family, and you uh, just try to prepare the best you can for the next night, whether you do good or bad. And what does it take to qualify for this event to begin with? Oh, it takes uh, 365 days a year practicing, uh, family behind you, friends behind you, lots of travel, lots of sleepless nights driving from one rodeo to the next, and uh, it just takes a lot of dedication. It really does. And how do they pick which contestants come into each event? Well, they take the top 15 money earners throughout the the physical year of the rodeo season. So I think it starts uh, September 1st, I believe, from the 2020 season has already started, actually. So from 2019, September 1st, all the way around, uh, you know, the end of August, you're just going full bore. Uh, trying to make the NFR in December. Now, do any of my Vegas earnings this year count to that 2020? <laughs> <laughs> no. Unfortunately for a lot of those, no. And fortunately for a lot, no. No. <laughs> so, uh, no, they, they all start scratch. And, and this is the Super Bowl of, ro- I mean, rodeo by far. It's compared to that. And it really is. You know, the, the money has consistently got better for these contestants uh, to, to win, you know, 10 days of riding a bareback horse. The guys can win 200000 in, in 10 days. That's just miraculous. And looking at the last published stats, 2019, excuse me, 2018, there were 644 sanctioned events. 14 of those were in Arizona. And they go from Prescott, Yuma, Tucson, Buckeye, Fort Mojave, Scottsdale. That would be your Prada del Sol, I would think, at the yep. turn of the year. Uh, Queen Creek, Cave Creek, Payson, Flagstaff. Prescott, that's your July 4th, Winslow, Payson again, and then Kingman. So you've got 14 opportunities just in Arizona to compete to get into that top 15. Oh, for sure. But that's 14 of 644 across the country in Canada. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's a lot of travel. If you are if you have uh, the aspirations to, to be at the NFR, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you have to go to 100 rodeos a year, you know, and, and some people, obviously, if you have uh, great winters, the winter rodeos are real big, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, uh, rodeos like that, they pay so much more. So y- y- if you win one of those, you have a big head start. And the location of those has got to be very strategic because if you've got to hit 100 a year, you know, it's one every three days, you can't get from... You, you can't go Arizona, Wyoming, and then Texas as your next three. You've got to follow and, and be very strategic in your travel path. Oh, correct. You know, it's funny you say that because in the beginning, start out the winter rodeos, you know, Denver, Odessa, Fort Worth, Houston, all the two, or all the uh, winter rodeos start around Texas. And as the year progresses, they move towards California, Arizona in the, in the spring. Summer is all over the Northwest and the Midwest. And then, of course, uh, go into fall, they're scattered. And so at the end of the year, when guys are chasing the top 15, you might go from San Francisco to Casper, Wyoming, to Pasco, Washington, and down to uh, Texas. Um, so 
at the beginning, they're all joined together to where it strategically and, and uh, geographically makes sense. But as the year progresses, your people are scattering and going to different places. And then they decided to make it even harder and have the Super Bowl in an arena half the size of the rest of the ones they compete in. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Because you go through all different types of setups and, and people look at, you know, armchair quarterbacks watching it on TV and they don't realize if you've never been inside that arena, it is tiny and tiny. So there's not a lot of room for mistakes, especially in the tiny events. Uh, the, the, the rough stock events, most of them actually like a small arena because it allows the, the bucking stock to perform without in a huge open area. Instead of just taking the time to prance all the way around the arena, they've got a tighter area so it encourages them to buck harder. Yes, exactly. And it's better so for the fans. So that's why you see so many higher rough stock rides in that arena? Well, not only that, but they hate, they take the top stock across the country, every stock contractor in the United States and Canada, uh, all the cowboys actually vote and to see which stock gets to come to the NFR. And so these people ride these horses and get on different bulls throughout the year, and they're basically going on notoriety and consistency. So they get to vote on what horses, what bulls get to go to the NFR. Now we've got seven events, six for cowboys, one for cowgirls, the barrel racing. Goat tying and breakaway have become very popular among cowgirls. Are we going to ever see either of those get introduced to the NFR? You, uh, it's funny because the breakaway is a very, very hot topic. It's, it's had a resurgence, and it's an amazing sport for the ladies. And uh, it's been going on for years in the WPRCA, or WPRA, and uh, it's really gaining momentum. They're having a, a multiple large rodeos already this year, so... I don't know about the goad tying, but and that's first I've heard of that. But I, the breakaway, I would not doubt to see it in the next five years at the NFR. I think that would probably be the best thing that they could do. How do you make this event any bigger? Well, instead of just having one event for the women, open it up to two or three more. You can't add any more men's events to it. Why not open it up for more cowgirls? Right, right. And it's it's got a lot of traction. There's so many uh, ladies across the country, and any and there's no. I th- I'm not sure about the age, but I think maybe 18 years old or older, you can compete at a professional rodeo. And I may be wrong there, but it's just amazing what they did at Cheyenne this year with the breakaway, and they're having it at Fort Worth. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, to compete in a PRC event, can I just go sign up? I know there's there's members and there's permit holders. Uh, how, how do you even get started attending one of those? You have to be, first of all, 18 years old, and then you buy a permit and then you have to win X amount of money. I think it's $2,500 in a PRCA-sanctioned event. And then once you do that, you can have the option of staying on your permit and just rodeoing throughout the year. Or you can go ahead and buy your PRCA membership and buy a card, and then you're a full-fledged member. And those full-fledged members, it's those top 15 money earners that go to the NFR at the end of the year. Yes, for sure. So it's twenty five hundred to get to go from a permit holder. What's the benefit of just staying a permit holder versus going a full member? It just depends because if you want to, like the Rookie of the Year awards are, are a huge accomplishment. Um, so if you buy your permit, say later in the year, and you're only going to go to ten rodeos, you're not going to win Rookie of the Year. So if you're if you don't care about Rookie of the Year, buy your card. You're you're a PRCA member. When I was a rookie, I wanted to win Rookie of the Year. So I waited. I, in fact, bought my uh, permit in August 
filled it right away, but I did not buy my card until the following year. So, because I wanted to try to a pursue a full year to yeah, win that. Award. I wanted a full year's chance to try to win the rookie of the year. So, more with two time NFR qualifier Nick Sarche horsing around after this. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. It's the finals, the NFR, the series of the sport. Hey, rookie, can you take 10 head? Have you got the heart? You think your tough cowboy will find out in the end when that final whistle blows and the stock's all in the pen. You know, it doesn't feel like that song's that old, but you listen to it, he still says it's in Oklahoma City. That oh, tells you it's pre-85. <laughs> it's amazing, it, It's but it never gets old. Chris Ledoux never gets old. No, sir. Time for your true or false trivia question. If you think this is true, text TRUE to 411-923-FALSE. Text FALSE, and we'll send you a pair of passes to Arizona State Parks. Uh, Michelle Thompson was in last week and gave us brand-new tickets that are good through the end of 2020. Arizona has had its share of rodeo champion. Names you may have heard of included the King of Cowboys, Ty Murray, Ropers Derek Begay and Eric Rogers. Two you may not have heard of, and here's the TRUE or FALSE. Lawrence Conley and Brad Smith, both from Prescott. If you think that's true, text true. If it's false, text false. We're Lawrence Conley and Brad Smith, roping champions, both from Prescott. We'll pick a random right winner at the end of this uh, segment. We'll send you to a set of Arizona State Park passes. Good for any of the 35, including Dead Horse State Park, where you can go ride your horse. You know, Jennifer and I were up at the Junior Rodeo in Vegas last weekend. And I go to Vegas for the National Builder Show, which fills the convention center, which they say brings a half a million people to Las Vegas. But someone there said the NFR brings twice as many people to Vegas than the National Building Show. (laughs) And that Christmas, Cowboy Christmas in the convention center is unbelievable. It's it's turned into... A mecca of shopper spree. <laughs> and now that they have all the kids' events, it already was the largest attended event in Las Vegas, the NFR has been. And now that they have multiple, multiple kids' events up there, it's even oh. quadrupled almost. And you were talking about the money. There was an event one of the grandchildren were in. She's 12 years old. She could have won $10,000. Oh, it's insane. They have breakaway ropings up there. They have junior calf ropings. They have uh, multiple, multiple events. And these kids are winning ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. I never, I never saw so many belt-high cowboy hats. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer wanted to adopt every one of them. <laughs> and what did you and uh, Jody come away with a little money? Amanda told me y'all... She saw your name somewhere. <laughs> oh, we we did good. Uh, we got to place in the fourteen a little bit, and then uh, she actually uh, placed in another open in the in the eleven open. So yeah, we 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 did we did okay. How many other husband and wife roping teams? Do you ever see Trevor and uh, Shada Shada out there together? <laughs> Not really. They're always at the other arena. <laughs> they're they're usually at the Thomas and Mac instead of over there at the South Point, but. Uh, you do, you do see it every now and then, and it's pretty cool. I uh, I didn't get the chance to rope with her very much because our numbers are not, you know, coincide to where we could rope very much. But uh, it's there's nobody I'd rather rope with. 
<laughs> How cool. Well, we talked about uh, all the other things that are going on in Vegas, and I tried to put a list together, and I gave up. I mean, every <laughs> single day there's a different performer. Uh, the number of different venues that have something. There's something at the Thomas and Mac. There's something at the South Point. There's something going on at the MGM. There's something going on at Treasure Island. And they all have big names that are coming in for the viewing party, the entertainment afterwards. Uh, it's it's a huge event, and it's only getting bigger. And I took the time to put down some numbers. This will be good. So the NFR really didn't start till about 59. Uh, but prior to that, they still have records back to 37 that they provide. In 1937, your all-around champion went away, walked away with $7,000. In 1937. 2018, your all-around winner walked away with $335,000. <laughs> Things have changed a little. I would say, but in both of those senses, comparable to well above minimum wage standards and average earnings around uh, the U.S. Oh, for sure. So from 1937, and we're going to single event now because all around is a different story. Uh, it took 41 years to break the 50,000 mark. That happened in 1978 when Roy Cooper uh, in the tie-down roping. Then four years later, Bruce Ford for bareback riding broke the $100,000 single event earning. Eleven years later, Danny Mortensen, saddle bronc, broke the $150,000. Jumped forward to 98. Uh, Danny again broke the single earning record of $200,000 barrier. Seven years later in 05, Matt Austin in bull riding breaks a $300,000 single year uh, earning event for 11 years later, 2016. Tim O'Connell for bareback riding breaks the $350,000 mark. And a year later, Sage Kimsey breaks the $400,000 single year earning for one event at $436,479. Incredible, incredible. And it's, you know what, and it's good to see that progression because the amount of wear and tear and, and the dedication. He's going to need it to nurse yeah, the rest gonna, of his life. That's what I was going to say. You need to subtract the medical expenses from all that. Now, that's Sage Kimsey. If you're Trevor Brazil, your single highest all-around earning in 2015 as a roper, $518,000 in 11. Incredible, yeah, he's he sets, of course, he's set all kinds of records. But the money is, is incredible. And it's only getting bigger. We'll talk about the difference between all-around and single event, along with uh, other great things happening. We've got our top picks, uh, highlights of this year's NFR, top all-around Cowboys and more with Nick Sarchet. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. From the shield with my spurs up high, champs and boots reaching for the sky, spurring out wild with my head thrown back. You'll ask who's that? Well, that's Burbank Jack. You'll ask who's that? That's old Burbank Jack. And the answer is true. Lawrence Conley and Brad Smith are both from Prescott, Arizona, although they may likely have never met. Lawrence won it in 1935, and Brad Smith won it in 1978. A little year of separation there. If the last four digits of your cell phone end in seven, excuse me, six, seven, eight, eight, congratulations. You are this week's random right winner, and we'll send you two tickets to the Arizona State Parks. Now, we're talking, uh, I'm going to bring you back a little bit. We had an interesting off-the-air conversation about stats and money, and there's been a share of... Uh, like anything in sporting, you've got its controversies and its issues and its players versus owners. And, you know, we the intro music the last couple of times was Chris Ledoux. And I don't know the full story, but I understand one of the years he won may not have been that 
hard of a competition year because a lot of guys were on strike. Uh, you were talking about there, and that was back in the seventies, but there was one time in the recent nineties there was some shuffle up that happened. Yeah, there was. A... In 1997, all the contestants kind of got together because uh, there was there was not equal money in the team roping or the barrel race. And so all the contestants kind of got together and, and uh, had a meeting, and they proposed that Team Roping and Barrel Race would get, you know, the same amount for per go round. Now, I understand the Team Roping. They would split the header and the healer. You won 10000 five to the header, five to the healer. And, but what's the, what was the non-equal pay for the barrel racing? They were, evidently, they were just deprived part of the entry fee. I mean, part of the purse. Um, what the team reopens uh, argument was we both pay the exact entry fee, but we only get half the money. So that was the argument up there and with the PRCA is that they finally um, recognized separate events. as a, a One is a header, one is a healer. We both pay the same amount of dues year long. So And it, the team reopen makes up with the largest uh, density of the uh, – uh, PRCA. PRCA, exactly. And so there, there's more people in the team roping than there is in the other event. So that was the argument, and then it surpassed. Uh, and so the year 1998, that was the first year they had equal money in the team roping in the barrel race. And you were there. This was one of the years you qualified as a healer. Yes, sir. 97, 96 and 97. And uh, I remember the meeting like it was yesterday. <laughs> so... So let's go into top picks, and this was a hard one because I, I thought it'd be fun to talk about favorite all-time Cowboys, and it's completely subject to opinion, and but it, but it's a fun conversation. When you look back over the years of rodeo, who and, and I was going to narrow it down to top three per event, but there's no way we're going to get that. Oh, that would yeah. take the whole four hours of this broadcast right. to do. <laughs> so let's just do top three all-time. Who comes to mind? Oh, well, I, I narrowed it down to about 25, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give you just a couple. Um, I mean, the first comes to somebody I grew up with, was born and raised right here in Arizona, is Ty Murray. Uh, he was multiple, multiple world champion all around. He won single event, the bull riding, <clears throat> excuse me. He also, not too many people rode all three rough stock at the NFR multiple years. He'd get on 30 head of rough stock in 10 days. And that's just amazing. And his body posture, his demeanor in the arena has, I mean, it was just amazing. So he, I remember him doing that when he was eight years old. I mean, he just was amazing since he was very young. Um, and still has all his own natural teeth from what I understand. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Which he's is still not very pretty, <laughs> but, he, but he's got all his natural limbs and, and teeth. Um, the second, and this is in no order, I shouldn't put it in order because they're all phenomenal, is Phil Line. A lot of people may not know who Phil Line is or was, and uh, he's, he's still around, and he's probably, in my opinion, um, one of the most amazing cowboys ever to live. He he qualified, he won the Bill Linderman Award, which means you have to compete and win so much money in both ends of the arena, which means rough stock and timed event. And in 19... 72 he not only won the world in the calf roping or tie down and the all-around he won the average in the bull riding and the tie down roping at the nfr i mean that's i don't know if anybody's ever done that uh before or since 
And it's just remarkable. And one of my top picks was someone similar to that, although he didn't do it all in the same year. And I may be biased, but it's Everett Bowman. And he was at a time that they didn't have video cameras, so I've never seen a single one of his runs. But this is a guy that's won the all-around. He's won the steer wrestling. He's won the tie-down roping. He <clears throat> He's won the steer roping. It's somebody that's on, like you said, both sides of the arena, rough stock and timed event, and dominated the entire 1930s to the mid-1940s. And I may just be biased, but, I mean, he was the, the Wickenburg Arena. That's named right. after him. He's from Hillside, Arizona. So there may be a little bit of bias <laughs> in there, but I just thought somebody that can compete at the top level in all those events, that's – I, I've got to nominate him for one oh, of the Oh, for sure. And, and especially back then, the, the equipment and the knowledge and the you – know, that's just Can you imagine re- hauling a horse in a 1937 trailer today? <laughs> I probably, he probably didn't have a trailer. He probably just loaded, loaded him in the, the back, back of his truck. truck. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, and then uh, I can't – you know, Larry Mahan, Bill Linderman. But I, I, I'd want to – you know, you, both of us picked this one, and he's – He's phenomenal. I know him personally. My wife was in their wedding. Um, Trevor Brazil, it's hard to say that he's not one of the very, very, very best, if not the best of all time. He holds every record there is. He just won another world championship after he retired <laughs> in the steer <laughs> roping. So it's hard not to say he's not the greatest. And he he's, of course, of course, current. You know, most people nowadays know who Trevor Brazil is. So... Um, and you really get to see that he's more than a roper when you watch the timed event finals that come around in March at the Lazy E Arena. I mean, he's not a great steer wrestler, but up there in his early 40s, still jumps off and Oh, he's, he's can, not a great, but wrestle. he's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, uh, he's very uh, he's remarkable. His work ethic, his practice efforts, um, and his, the way he's always, always conducted himself um, – it's just amazing. My favorite thing about him is when he wins, he never really jumps around and bangs his fists on his chest or hoots and hollers. Raises the like, roof. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, just another day at the office, just doing my job. And, and I have to throw this one in there. And he, uh, I don't think he's never won an all-around world championship, but he is my hero. He's the best team roper I've ever seen, and anyone that's ever swung a heel rope would have to agree is Clay O'Brien Cooper. You know, he's he's been a big influence in my life, and uh, it, he's just an amazing guy and continues to change from 1985 when he won his first world championship to now. He just won the George Strait two years ago, uh, competing against 20-year-olds, and uh, I won't say how old he is, but he can still <laughs> handle his own. Well, you can guess his age if you've ever watched the movie with John Wayne Cowboys. He's one of the little cowboys that gets uh, on hired on to John Wayne's. He is. He's the littlest one with the biggest gun. And I always give him a hard time. I said, "You, you're not little, but you still pack the biggest gun with your with your heel rope." So. And then I have to put Billy Bauer in there. It was hard. I was picking between him and Ty Murray, and Ty's from Arizona, so I lean that way. But. You talk about memories just being burned in your mind in that 2004 round number 10. He had to have at least a 91 point to win the buckle for that year, and he gets a 93. And just that final seven and a half to eight second, his horse breaks its bucking pattern and like pauses on its hind end for just a second. And Billy stretched out like a plank. I mean, yeah. almost perfectly flat toe to hand, just sprawled out, picture perfect. And it's just like that that 
is frozen in my memory, and the horse comes down, and he just topples end over end, but it hit the eight second, and he 93 points and walks away with the championship buckle at the age of 41. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and is it scary that I can remember that horse's name? Painted Smile. Was it? it was a I paint- thought it was Cool Alley. Oh, I was going to say Painted Smile. We won the round on Painted Smile I don't know how many times. <laughs> so maybe you're right. It was just amazing. We're going to have to go back to the Yeah, archives. now we're going to have to go through it and find out. <laughs> and they keep record of that. Just as well as they keep oh, yeah. track of the cowboy, they keep track of the horse and the buck and bull. And it seems like they keep track of the steers pretty well, although no one like names the steer. But when you hear them talking about the steer wrestling and the steer roping and the calf tying, I mean, they all are watching oh, these. Oh, for and, sure. Uh, they all tagged with a number. And so they know exactly what each person did on that steer or calf prior. Now, somebody asked where they can watch this, and it's on CBS, and it's not the traditional uh, network CBS. It's a paid for dish. It's 158 direct. It's 221. We actually didn't have that. So we called our provider and it was a $30 a month added. And they said, well, is there any long-term, uh, contract? We're like no cancel whenever. So we'll cancel it tonight when it's done. And you know, 30 bucks to watch the last five nights is not, not a big deal. No. We're willing to, it, it, cheaper than going anywhere else to watch it. It'll save you a lot of money from going to Vegas and watching it. <laughs> What are some highlights from this year? I'm sure you've been watching. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's exciting. It's, um, of course, you know, I'm a team roper, and the round four of the team roping was just unbelievable with, uh, you know, a 3 9 winning third. It was 3 7, 3 8, 3 9. Oh, it was just amazing. And, the, and, and the, the horsepower and the guys that are roping, it's just phenomenal. When you get down to those hundreds of a second, it could be the reflex of the timer's thumb. Oh. That determines that difference. You, you can't train a tenth of a second or no. a hundredth of a second. No, and it's just all how the flagger sees it and the, the, the flagger, one horse faces faster than the other or or another healer, you know, dallies shorter than the other healer. It's just amazing the variables and, and, the, and the human side of it makes it awesome because there's no bias. I mean, there's no bias. It's just going by what he sees and, and the horse flesh is just... Unbelievable. And the timing is all done uh, by humans. There's no uh, new technology that would, you know, a laser or something like that that would point and go, okay, bait, that's it. Correct. That's the there's, wow. a, there's a, if you notice, if you do watch it on TV, there's a flag that's in front of the, of the box and it's on the barrier rope. And when that barrier rope snaps and that flag moves, that's when they start it. And then they watch the flagger on the horse. And when he drops the flag, that's when they stop it. And there's two timers, so there's a backup. There's a, a there's a official, and then there's a backup. So it's all human done. And for to, to happen in 3.7 seconds is, it's pretty amazing. You, you better can't be on your toes. On that, yeah, and, and yeah. No, don't yawn. And no replays. Oh no, you, you don't go to New York they, and go. Wait, let's look at that again. <laughs> no, no, they don't have a, a replay yet. Some of the rough stock has been incredible. Clayton Bigelow in round seven, a ninety. 1.5 on ankle biter and he looked like wilbur's monkey that i have no idea how he hung on it was, it was almost like they had to tape his fist to his to his rigging strap i mean he should have been bucked off three times it's incredible and you know what i always we always joke like when those guys get done with horses like that their riding arm has got to be two inches longer than their other <laughs> arm because it looks like they gets jerked out of the socket but those guys are so physically fit it's incredible the the bareback riders are probably the most physically fit and their upper body is just 
amazing. They have to be. They have to be. And night the next night in round eight, Sage Kimsey's two feet off his behind, off the bull, halfway through the ride, somehow sucks himself back down and finishes for a ninety-four run. That's on part of Sweet my Pearl uh, bruiser. Yes, exactly. That's part of my. That's one of my favorite of all the whole week. That actual whole round of bull riding, uh, ninety-one and a half split. Second or third and fourth. I mean, you don't see that too often. I've been impressed with the bull riding all week up there, but but Sage's ride on Sweet Pro Bruiser, it was amazing. You could go to thirty PRCA events and never see a ninety point ride. Oh, exactly. And then you're seeing a lot of them this week, and and they're deserving. See, deserving. Now the number one, it doesn't have to do with the flashiness of the ride or the impressiveness, but round number three, and it wasn't necessarily anything in the event in the interviews afterwards because they always interview the winner. Kobe Radley of Montpierre, Louisiana, goes 92, wins the bull riding, and in his interview at the end, acknowledges LSU's win in the SEC football <laughs> championship. And a fellow Louisiana contestant uh, from Sulphur, Louisiana, Shane Hansey, won second in the tie down. So his big congratulations speech wasn't about himself, but hey, Louisiana's kicking butt today. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Uh, yes, they both had great rides, and that was pretty cool. He did that. I would say my favorite, personally, my favorite uh, uh, moment so far the whole week, and I'm probably just not going to get any better than this, was seeing my son's face at the fourth round of the NFR. We got to actually see it live. We were there. And uh, when those in the team rope, when those runs were 3-7, 3-8, 3-9, he just kept looking at me with his eyes. He just thrown his fist up, and he was just loving it. So... Riker had the best time, and just to see the emotion on his face watching somebody rope that fast was pretty cool for and me. And that was from inside the Thomas and yeah, we were Yeah, we were sitting. A friend of ours, Cheyenne Wimberly, she's in the bell race, so we got to sit in her seat. So The Rosie on the House, Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Yeah, my car broke down, I ain't got no money, stuck out on the road. Hand me the ride now, won't somebody take me to the rodeo? I think that is one of the most uh, <laughs> ironically true stories about rodeo. <laughs> My car's broke down, I ain't got no money, stuck out on the road. I need a ride, won't somebody take me to the rodeo? I remember standing with a friend uh, in our at his home in, in Whitman, and I won't mention any names, but <laughs> a mutual friend's son showed up, and his truck was broken down, and he, he was on a dirt bike, and he was trying to borrow a truck to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico, because he wanted to enter a bull riding that started in seven hours. <laughs> I think if my car's broke down and I'm supposed to go to a bull riding, I'm out. <laughs> I didn't want to enter the bull riding anyways. All right, this year in the NFR, a little light on Arizona contestants. We only have two, which I think last year we had seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. Usually we have you know at least four or five or six, and... Uh, this year, just the way the cookie crumbles, we only have two up there. And those are? Matt Sherwood, which is a two-time world champ, and uh, Eric Rogers, which is, a, you know, he won the world in 17. So well represented by those two for sure. Now, the uh, Sherwood's got two. Eric's has one. But they this is both their sixth or seventh time being there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Matt's been there six six or seven times, and I think uh, Eric's been there at seven or eight, maybe. Now, has Matt been on both a header and a healer side? No, but he has. He heals really well. They both heal really well. Matt's actually won our turquoise circuit, which is Arizona and New Mexico. He's won it maybe twice, once or twice, with Rube Woolsey, another Arizona guy. 
and uh, and Eric, I th- he's just mostly heads at the pro rodeos. And they're both uh, having a rough go. You know, Matt's Matt was doing decent. I think he's placed in uh, four rounds um, and was doing decent in the average. And then they had a little bad luck in round five. And then Eric, he just uh, he just hasn't seemed to get you know hadn't had the best of luck. He's only placed twice, and he's had a couple no times, maybe one barrier, maybe two barriers, but uh, not his normal outing for sure. He's usually rock solid up there. And in team roping. For the healer, if they only catch one leg instead of two, it's a five-second penalty. So when you're looking at an event like round four where your top three are all under four seconds, that five-second penalty, it puts you a mile out of the money. Oh, yeah, yeah. You rarely see, and it's happened this week. There's been a couple of rounds where people have, ro- have uh, placed with the leg with five-second penalty, but it doesn't happen too often. People uh, got to realize in the team open up there, it's such a small event or venue and and when you're not doing well in the average, say after three or four rounds, you're trying to be three seconds just to win the day and, money, and and that just cuts your you know your consistency down so so short because every one of those teams up there could leave out of there and go and just catch. I almost guarantee they could rope ten out of ten if they just went and tried to catch and they weren't trying to be four or three seconds. So with three point seven, when like last night, three point six won the round. So it's just amazing. It happens so fast. You have no room for error. And so it's hard when you're sticking your tongue out and you're letting, you know, letting the wind go to rope that fast and not, not miss every now and then. Now with the light representation of Arizona contestants in this year, it's no surprise though, that the two that are both team ropers for whatever reason, Arizona is the dominant state for team roping. It's, it's really, really well represented. It always has been. Why is that? Do you know any, I, you any know, insight to that? I think it's the water. I think it's the water here. <laughs> it's the weather. We have great weather almost year-round. Um, the summer, of course, is, is as we all know, Arizonians, is really hot. But we can rope year-round. And, and during the winter months, um, nowadays, with all the team ropings going around the valley, it's there's not a better, hotter mecca of team roping than for six months out of the year. And you could drive this weekend by virtually any rodeo arena and see a sea of trailers and men on horseback with ropes, men and women. Oh, for sure, and kids. For a hundred mile radius of Central Phoenix, you can go to multiple, multiple events. And people will do two, three in a day, just depending on start times and how many entries. You you can realistically hit more than one event a day. Oh, for sure. It's awesome. Round number 10 of the NFR tonight, Nick Sarchet, two-time NFR qualifier, joined us to share a little bit about the inside of the exciting world of rodeo. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. Oh, it was great. Thanks for having me.